the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We all want to live with tranquility and peace, but why hasn't man cracked the code of real peace? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today we are continuing our study through the Gospel of John in John chapter 14 in a message titled Roadmap to Peace. Now that's a phrase that we've heard a lot about in the past. The roadmap to peace, especially over in the Middle East, where there's been so much hostility. Israel and the Palestinians are always going at it. Iran looks on. They've said in the past that Israel should just simply be wiped off the face of the map. The United States, they're pulling our troops out of the Middle East. An area that's overrun with Muslim extremists. That's those who have chosen to kill their own people, innocent people with car bombs and suicide bombs. You know, it's even happened here in America. Yes, in times past, we've heard a lot about the roadmap to peace. Now, only one problem. That roadmap hasn't worked out. It was John Lennon from the Beatles who wrote the song, Imagine. And his lyrics say this, quote, You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And boy, how so many want that now today. Just one world, all of us together. Let's just all live in one big happy family. That was John Lennon's dream. He wanted world peace. He even had what he called a love-in. That's where he was photographed naked with his wife, Yoko Ono. And from my perspective, that was just too much information, okay? Just for me, okay? Yet John Lennon was against any kind of religion. Maybe he thought if he led the way, somehow, some way, the brotherhood of man could bring world peace all on their own. Who knows? But listen to what he said on March 4th, 1966. He said in an interview in the Evening Standard newspaper, he said, quote, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus, In quote. Whoa, that's a gnarly statement. Yes, the Beatles were pretty popular, I will say, back in the day. But where are they at today? And where will they be 2,000 years from now? John Lennon's roadmap to peace was music. Yet one of his own fans shot him dead in front of his apartment in New York City. Yes, just like today, the ongoing problem with world peace is man. As long as man is around, there will always be problems. Yet man still tries to bring peace by his own efforts in his own accord. 
like this Japanese woman who buried herself alive in India for three days for world peace. She said this quote, I have prayed for no suffering, just love and peace. Yes, man is looking for love and peace on earth. Unfortunately, man's plans don't work. They've never worked. That's why we don't have peace today. Just like man trying to end the homeless situation here in California. We keep throwing millions and millions of dollars at the problem. We try to build the self-esteem of the homeless. Well, we don't want them to think that we don't like them, that we don't care about them. So we take away laws now that would convict them of shoplifting. So we've actually changed laws now. So now you can shoplift in California. And if you steal under $950,000, what? That's a lot of money. If you steal under $950,000, all you get now in California is a slap on the wrist because all they'll do is give you a citation. Oh, you get a ticket. Oh, you sold 800 bucks worth of stuff. Oh, you just get a ticket now. Now, they were thinking when they designed this law that we want to build up the esteem of people so that they won't steal anymore. We want to, you know, we want to honor them. We don't want to burden them down with all these different laws and, and records on their, on their whole life and everything to, to change them. So you think man's idea was, oh, we're going to drive down crime. Well, since that law was passed in San Francisco, it's increased 23%. In Los Angeles, since that bill was passed, the theft in Los Angeles is up 11%. Yes, we all want world peace. We all want to live with tranquility and peace around us. But why hasn't man been able to crack the code of real peace? Well, maybe it's because we have abandoned our relationship with the living God. We have honored the creation, save the planets, you know, stop global warming, save the wells, yet we have forsaken the creator himself, which leads us away from dealing with the real issue of every man and every woman. And that's our spiritual side, our real need for Christ, because we're all born with a God-shaped void right at the very epicenter of our heart. And only God can fill that void. Only God can deliver us from ourselves. Only God can forgive us. Only God can heal our guilt and our shame inside. Only God can truly change us from within, at the very core of our souls. Yes, man hasn't found a roadmap to peace from war or for the peace that we all seek in this life. For we all long for happiness, do we not? Some kind of purpose, some kind of satisfaction. For we try to find ourselves through a perfect mate. We try to find ourselves through what we do. And well, I do this and I have this title, a job promotion, making more money, buying a nice house and show people I'm, I'm successful, a nicer car, even traveling to exotic places. We tell ourselves if we could just have more, we would be at peace with ourselves. Yes, we all have our own little roadmaps, you could say, of peace that we chase after. Yet, what do we do when our roadmap to peace for our own life, our own pursuit, what do we do when it hits a dead end? What do we do when it doesn't deliver? What do we do when there is no peace? What happens when we gain so much, yet peace still eludes our grasp? Yes, we must have many options here as Americans to do so many different things. So people will try different stuff, like hypnosis. That's right. 
We're told to close our eyes and think of pretty colors. You know, some will take up yoga class thinking that, well, if we tie our bodies up in a knot, maybe we can untie the stress of our ulcer. I don't know. We will eat better, we'll exercise, which are good ideas, good choices, but that cannot bring an inner peace inside of us. Only God can satisfy us. Yes, there are times that peace will come for a moment, yet lasting peace always seems to escape us. It can slip away as fast as it arrives. Some people will go to a world or global peace conference, and there's going to be many of those in the year 2020. The World Peace Council resists the policies of the United States. They desire peace through resistance. But can real peace be birthed from no peace? Then there are those who will attend the World Peace Hugs Conference. One conference goer said this quote, I have become convinced that if there were more hugs in the world, it just might be the answer to world peace. Well, there you go. Give me a hug. You know, it's like, really? But in reality, when you really look at the hostilities that are in our world, it's not a laughing matter. And the hopelessness that the world faces today. We're going to need something way more powerful than a human hug. Today, as we continue in our study through the Gospel of John, we're going to look at God's roadmap to peace, not man's. Because according to Jesus, there is only one way of having real peace in our lives. There's only one way of having a true hope rest in our hearts. There's only one way to have a true confidence for our own future. And that can only be found in him. As you remember from the last time, Jesus told his disciples at the last supper that he was leaving and where he was going, the disciples could not follow. Well, as we saw, none of them wanted to hear that. That was not good news to them. In fact, the thought was devastating to them. They couldn't imagine living without Jesus right next to them. I think we could say that their present peace at that last supper had left them. For what would become of them now? How would they live? What would they do? Think about what they had witnessed in their own lives because God allowed them to witness the unbelievable. They witnessed Jesus heal people from the flesh-eating cancer of leprosy. They watched him raise the dead. They even watched Jesus speak to the very elements of nature itself in the midst of a violent storm where the wind was whipping and waves were coming over the boat. They thought, we're going to die here. And yet they shook Jesus in the boat and they said, don't you care about us? I mean, it's like, we're going to die. And Jesus raised up and in the midst of the storm, he says, peace be still. And immediately the wind stopped. The wave stopped. The water was like glass. The Bible says that the disciples were terrified by this. Like, who is this man that can actually speak to the wind and the elements itself? And even they listened to him. It was just something that they, it was hard for them to process. Plus, consider those who were demon possessed. Jesus would start walking up to them. The demons would cry out as they would tremble in fear at the very presence of Jesus. Yes, the disciples watched and lived it all Every single day. Yet now, Jesus says, my time has come. 
And where I go, you cannot come. It was a statement that went over like a lead balloon. It prompted Peter to say, wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm going to go with you. Wherever you go, I go. I'll even die for you. Of course, that's when Jesus told Peter, well, Peter, before the rooster this morning, before the sun comes up today, before the rooster goes cock-a-doodle-doo, you will have already denied me three times. Yes, this fact was true. None of the disciples could go with Jesus right now. And why was that? Because Jesus was freely going to be crucified on the cross for us. And he would be viciously and brutally killed for our sins. Understand, Jesus knew his disciples were devastated by this reality of him leaving them. That's why he was about to give them a roadmap to peace. I wonder if there's anyone here today that has come to church that you've lost your peace. Maybe there's an unrest in your soul. Maybe there's a place of emptiness that is residing within you right now, and you're in desperate need of deliverance from all of the chaos that is surrounding you. Well, if that's you, I just want you to know you came to the right place today because our text is going to speak right to your heart. Because the very same roadmap to peace that Jesus is going to give to his disciples is the very same roadmap to peace that he's going to give to each and every one of you right now. Today, we're going to consider three points in light of our title, Roadmap to Peace. Number one, knowing their heart. Jesus knew the hearts of his disciples were broken and crushed. What? You're going and we can't come with you? What are you talking about? Number two, Knowing the way. Jesus wanted them to know the ultimate way. He wanted them to know how you're going to get to heaven and spend the rest of your time with me. Third, we're going to look at knowing him. Who is Jesus really? Was he just a good man? Was he someone to emulate? Was he a prophet of sorts? I mean, who was Jesus really? Understand, there were no chapter breaks between chapter 13 and chapter 14. You know, sometimes, you know, when the chapter breaks, you know, because, uh, you know, man's the one that added those later. And it's great that we have that because now I can say, oh, let's turn to chapter 14, verse 1. And you know exactly where to turn. Where before it just all ran together. So it's good that we have chapter breaks. But sometimes they put the chapter breaks in the wrong spots. So you think like, okay, chapter 13 is over. Chapter 14 is like the next day, two days later, a week later. No, 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 no. This is like two minutes later. Okay, so it's coming off, hey, I'm going somewhere, and you can't come with me. (gasps) We're devastated. You don't know what to do. And it's just going right into this next thought. So, you know, Jesus spoke these words, and he wanted them to know as their heart sank with, you can't follow me. And that's when Jesus looked into their eyes, and he said these words. So this is what followed. Picking up in chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. See, he knew they were troubled. He knew they were freaking out. He goes, hey, fellas, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Some of your Bibles say mansions. It's dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Oh, you're not going to be alone for long. I'm going to come back. And you know the way that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Well, we'll stop right there. There's a lot to unpack here. Yes, our first point is knowing their heart. That's why Jesus tells them in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. wonder who needs to hear that today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, see, that word troubled comes from this Greek word. And this Greek word is a word that means agitation. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let it be disturbed inside. Now, see, that whole thought of agitation, see, that's what we call when you're washing clothes. You know, when you're doing your laundry, what do you you turn the washing machine on, right? Starts filling up with water. That tub just, you know, the water's going in. You're throwing your clothes in there and you put the soap in, you know, and it's like, no, I've got all these new machines. Yeah, put it over here. Then it injects it at the right time. But it's the same principle, right? What happens after the water fills up in the tub? The agitation cycle sets in. And then if you look at your clothes and you see the clothes just getting all turned and worked, you know, why? Because that agitation cycle is forcing the water and the soap through your clothes to drive the dirt out. Now, see, it works out great for your washing machine. Not so good for the soul. So he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't be disturbed inside. You know, we need to to work on the things that are in our life, the pressures and all these things. But in the midst of those things, Jesus understood that anxiety was going to rip these guys apart with the fact that he was leaving. There was going to be an agitation inside. They were going to be disturbed inside. He knew the very core of their soul was going to be overwhelmed and troubled. But again, why does this happen to us? Because things in life bring agitation. You might have a boss at work that's always grinding you and working you like a dog. It's like, are they trying to suck blood out of a turnip? Is that your question? The answer is yes. (laughs) They're trying to get more work out of you. I was just talking to a good friend here. He's been at our church forever. He was just telling me that last week he worked two 24-hour days. 24 hours. I mean, it's like, man, that's like, that's like three shifts all together. Boom, boom, boom. It's like no break, no sleep, no anything. And it's just like, so yes, are they trying to work you to the, to the bone? And it's like, it's easy to get agitated at things in this life because you could have a boss that, that grinds on you and grinds on you and agitates you. And you're like, oh, and it disturbs, disturbs you. You get home from work and you're still thinking about it. You can't shut him off. It's like he's, on, he's ragging on you at work and he's ragging on me in my head. All of these things happen inside of us. Well, where did that actually start? Where did the trouble start? Where did all the disturbance start? Well, it started before your boss. It started before your mate when you're in a fight. It started way before that. You have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Because when God first created Adam and Eve, they were not created to deal with stress. They were not created to deal with troubled hearts and agitation. Why? Because there was no agitation in the Garden of Eden. 
See, God created a perfect place for Adam and Eve to live. It was called Eden. And very word, the very word Eden means a place of paradise. God handmade it himself for them to live in. Could you imagine Adam? He's frolicking around and all of a sudden he goes into a deep sleep. And all of a sudden he wakes up a rib short and there's a naked woman in front of him. All bad at him saying, it's going to be a good day today. A good day. But they didn't care. They just frolicked around naked and had a great time. And there wasn't a list of the Ten Commandments in the Garden of Eden for them not to do. There was just one rule. Don't eat of this one fruit tree. Now, see, there could have been many more fruit trees than what we have here on the planet right now. God could have had some special things in there. He could have had glowing fruit, see-through fruit. Look at this. You can see right through it. Let me take a bite of that. I mean, he could have had all kinds of stuff in there. But the point was this. You can do anything you want in here. Just don't do this one tree. People will say, well, you know, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and now I have a sin nature because of them. It's like those dogs. It's like, why do I have to suffer a sin nature because of what they did? Listen, if you were in the Garden of Eden, you probably would have sinned even earlier. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself. You ever get allured with something? Ever do something wrong? Ever get tempted to do something you shouldn't do and do it? Well, that's exactly what they did. You know, they knew they weren't supposed to eat of that tree, but then where do we find them? Sitting right next to the tree. Look at that fruit. looks pretty good. smells nice too. All of these things. What they had before they ate of the forbidden fruit, they had unbroken fellowship with God himself. But once they sinned by eating the forbidden fruit, that sin severed the relationship with God. And the same goes for us today. Our sin separates us from God. And that's what separates us from real peace. It's a separation from God. That's why no peace in this world will be found as long as God is not part of it. I like what God said in Psalm 4610. He says, cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Would you stop worrying about all these things that are happening in your life? Would you cease striving and look to me for the answer to the issues that you're facing? Yes, when life is treating us well, when everything is a mountaintop experience, peace seems to flow, does it not? But what happens when we're in the depth of misery? What happens when we're dwelling in the lowlands of fear? That's when we must look beyond ourselves. That's when we have to reach out past what we can grasp ourselves and cling to the one who made us. That's why King David said in Psalm 27, verse 13, he says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. He said, man, if I didn't grasp onto the goodness of the Lord, I would have been in total despair. He goes on to say, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. We need to wait on him. So many times when devastation hits or hardship hits or, you know, this happens or the bottom falls out, what do we do? Well, we got to fix it. God, sorry, I got your back. I'll take care of this. You know, it's like, you know, we get unexpected bills. We, you know, we pull out the credit card. We do this. We do that. We call up our parents or our good friend. We, we try to get a loan. We, you know, all of these options, you know, one of the great things that the Lord did for me and my wife is for whatever reason, her parents favored one of her siblings and my parents favored other siblings of mine. And so we never had the interaction with our parents for multiple years because they were kind of favored 
favoring other, you know, siblings in our, each of our families. And so me and my wife were just on our own. And it's like, now at the time I hated it because there was no one to call. Something would happen. You know, the bottom would fall out and we didn't know where to turn. Guess what? We always had to wait on the Lord because there was nowhere else to turn. There was nobody else to bail us out. And you think, amen, you know, and some of you young people that have parents that are always ready to bail out. And if you are a parent and you're always bailing out, bail out, bail out, bail out every time, you know, you are enabling, I'm talking to parents now, you're enabling your kids to never learn lessons because you bail them out. See, and if you're a kid getting that, you're never learning lessons because you don't have the opportunity of like, I don't know where to turn. There's nowhere to turn, but up. And that's what David realized. I would have despaired if I didn't wait on the Lord. That's why God gives us this wonderful verse in in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Now, verse 6 is your part. Verse 7 is God's part. But guess what? Verse 7, God's part, never happens unless you do verse 6 your part. It's just not going to happen. That's all the time we have for this message, but please continue to join us this week as we go through the Gospel of John in chapter 13 and 14. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android, Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.